how do you spend your time? Maybe you have a few different thoughts in mind. I do this a lot. Or maybe I do that a lot. Is it in front of a screen? Maybe it's in front of a TV. Maybe it's in front of a phone or an iPad. Is it wasted? Do you feel like you waste your time a lot? Is it spent bored all the time? Maybe that's your constant response. How are you doing? What are you up to? I'm bored. I'm bored. I mean, it's summer. There's nothing to do. I'm bored. Do you sleep a lot? Maybe you sleep a lot, huh? Take a lot of naps, stay up late, sleep until 11 a.m., 12 p.m. Maybe that's early for you. Some of you guys are cringing just to be here. Maybe it's going to take me yelling at you this morning just to keep you awake. Let me encourage you, stay awake. This will be a good time for you to invest in. In our passage, we see, number one, the value of time. Verse 15 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. The way we use our time is extremely important. In fact, one translation says in verse 15, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Now I understand teaching this subject and preparing for this message that this would be a much more difficult topic to teach to junior high students than it would be to teach to adults. Because the reality is, is that you think that you have all the time in the world. I mean, let's face it, we're not thinking about death. We're not thinking about old age. We're having fun. We're maybe going into high school. We're going into eighth grade, going into seventh grade, whatever it may be. And we're not thinking about how can I invest my time? No, we're thinking about I have time to waste, right? But would you treat money that way? Would you treat money that way? Let's say that you inherited $10 million. Let's just say, some of you guys, like, your eyes are lighting up right now. What would I, woo, what would I do with that money? <laughs> Let me tell you. What if you inherited $10 million? Would you throw $9 million of it away? Would you burn it up? No. Like, what in the world? What are you talking about? Burn up $9 million? <laughs> That's a lot of money, right? You would not waste that kind of money. So even more so, regarding a resource that will never be returned to you, why would we turn and waste it? We are given a certain amount of time. There is no earning it. There is no great job or business that will create more time for you. It is not like money. You will never get the time back that you have wasted. So shouldn't we invest our time now instead of carelessly spending it? Listen, your time is precious. Your time is valuable. And if you don't believe me, go ask your grandparents after this message. Ask them how valuable time is. I think it might help change your perspective. Again, verse 15 tells us to not walk or live like fools. And we've been officially out of school for 
probably about two weeks now, have you already been living foolishly? Have you already been walking unwise and living foolishly? There are many different sinful ways to spend your time, but I've identified three main foolish ways to test yourself in this area of your life. Number one is the sin of idleness. The sin of idleness. Now the word idle, um, often you'll hear it when it pertains to a car. When a car is idling, it means that the car is running, like the car is turned on. Please put your coin in your pocket for, for God's sake. It means that the car is running if it's idling, but it's not moving. So at a stoplight, right, your car is on unless you're super ghetto and you turn it off because you don't want to waste gas at the stoplight, which if you do, if your parents do that, then that's okay. I'm not judging. But if your car is idle, it means that it's running, but it's not moving. So in this case for you, maybe it means that you're alive, you're living and breathing, right, but you're not active, you're not active. One definition put it this way. Idle is used to describe something that you do for no particular reason, often because you have nothing else better to do. Does that describe your summer? Doing something for no particular reason, often because you have nothing else better to do. Maybe that describes your life. You're like, that's my life, not just my summer right now. Like, that's the way I live. Doing something for no particular reason, often because you have some, nothing better to do. Maybe it's plain laziness. Maybe for you it's like, I'm just going to take a nap, right? I'm going to take a nap because for no particular reason, I'm not really tired, but I don't have anything else better to do. Maybe it's screen time, maybe it's video games, maybe it's social media. That's a huge one, right? You're on social media for no particular reason, but you have nothing else better to do. That is idleness. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34 says this, I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now the premise of this passage is that obviously your idleness is foolish. Your idleness is foolish. To, to do something for no particular reason because you have nothing else better to do, that's foolish. I hope you recognize that first part. And it will result in consequences as we see in this proverb. As we see here, it will result in having little and wanting much. 
oftentimes that's exactly where social media leaves us, right? That's where social media leaves us. You have this platform that's begging for your attention, and you're not gaining anything from it necessarily, yet it leaves you wanting more. It leaves you coveting things that you don't have. Or maybe wanting a life that you're not living. That really, in reality, are most of the time fake, right? These people posting their, their good times with their possessions and their things that they have. And they pretend to be happy. And we're on those platforms looking at those things, not gaining anything from it, but really wanting more. How can I get that thing that leaves us with little and wanting much? Number two is the sin of wickedness. Maybe your time is spent in sin. I was reading this psalm earlier this week, and it reminded me when I was younger. It reminded me when I was so angry and bitter and depressed and frustrated with the life that was given to me, that how my life was, that I would actually spend a lot of my time in wickedness, in sin, just plotting against other people, similar to how David describes it here. Psalm 64, 1 through 6, is a prayer of David as others are spending their time in wickedness. And it says this. It says, Oh God, listen to my complaint. Protect my life from my enemy's threats. Hide me from the plots of this evil mob, from this gang of wrongdoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim their bitter words like arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent, attacking suddenly and fearlessly. They encourage each other to do evil and plan how to set their traps in secret. Who will ever notice, they ask, as they plot their crimes. They say, we have devised a perfect plan. Yes, the human heart and mind are cunning. Do you spend your time plotting against someone? Do you spend your time using bitter words to harm those around you? Do you spend your time, maybe in this day and age, it's making memes that harm other people? Do you spend your time encouraging others to do evil? Are you actively living in sin? This psalm finishes with, but God himself will shoot them with his arrows, suddenly striking them down. Their own tongues will ruin them, and all who see them will shake their heads in scorn. Then everyone will be afraid. They will proclaim the mighty acts of God and realize all the amazing things he does. The godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in him, and those who do what is right will praise him. Listen, if you are actively living in sin, if that is how you spend your time, your sin 
will find you out. Your sin will have consequences. There are consequences to your sin and pain will be the result of your foolishness. It will. Scripture says it. I have no doubt about that. I can speak from my own experience that planning wickedness, actively living in sin, using your words and your time to harm others, it will result in consequences. And regret will be a heavy feeling when you come out of your sin. It will. When I came to Christ at the age of 18, 19, the one thing I regretted the most was that I had not came to the Lord sooner, that I had wasted so much time in junior high and high school plotting and scheming and tearing other people down and fighting and partying and all of those things that just left me wanting more, having little and wanting more. So I pray, I pray that you would not waste your time in wickedness and sin and realize that there's a better way. Number three is the sin of worldly pursuits. What are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? Are you pursuing God or are you pursuing and chasing after the things of this world? Are you seeking for pleasure, for riches, for number one in battle royale? Some of you woke up. Good morning, Benny. Maybe you want fame. Maybe you want more followers on social media. You're like, if I just get that one thing, I'm chasing after that. None of those things fulfill this deeper need in your heart. Have you ever talked to someone of old age, even those who aren't a Christian? Have you ever talked to someone who is near death? None of those things are what they yearn for the most. We can learn a lot of wisdom talking to someone about time who has little time left. And it will for sure change your perspective. Usually the thing most regretted about time is not enough time spent with family, not enough time and relationships spent together, relationships that were broken and never restored or healed, and especially the legacy that they're leaving behind, how people remember them by How do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered for pursuing the things of this world? For chasing after money? For that one job? Like that's the one thing I want in my life? Guess what? You're not going to be remembered by that. My grandfather is a great example of this. He's turning 70 years old and he's already had one heart attack and he's predicting that He's not going to be around much longer. He has literally spent his whole life chasing after worldly pursuits. And he's made it. He's made it. He has multiple houses in France. 
He's had multiple wives, married and divorced several times, living with his current wife in Paris, France at the moment, having all the money that he wants. He's living it up. He's living the pursuits and the accomplishments that he's had in his life. Do you know what our conversations are about? When I talk to my grandfather, it is most of the time, 90% about his daughter that hasn't spoken to him in years, and it breaks his heart. That's what our conversations are about. It's not about how glamorous his life is. It's not about how beautiful southern France is or, or how beautiful the city of Paris is. It's about a relationship that was never mended, and he's coming to terms with the fact that he doesn't have much longer to restore that relationship. And it's because he wasted his time. He pursued the things of this world, and he neglected the relationships and the family around him. May that not be said of you. And maybe that's the last thing on your mind because you're so young. I pray that you would gain a proper perspective. We must value our time, and we do so by walking wisely and not as fools. Number two, point number two, is the urgency of time. Our time is urgent. Consider how much you've already lost. If you're 12 here this morning, or is anyone 12 here? Okay, so quite a few of you. If you're 12, you have spent 105,120 hours. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of hours, right? Time goes quickly. Time is fleeting. Psalm 39 says, Oh Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Listen to this. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather and now, O oh Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. You know, I have uh, this small hourglass at my desk, and really it's uh, a steady reminder of how fleeting life really is. And it's a steady reminder of really that time does not wait for anyone. It doesn't. Time does not wait for anyone. You cannot go back. Time continues on. And there is a brevity of our lives. Our lives are, are sometimes compared to a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And it's very comparable to an hourglass. You know, you have this tiny vial of sand, and it's not much, really. It's not much. There's not much sand inside of this hourglass. 
And as you live your life and you go to school and you do your chores and you hang out with friends and you play games, time is passing by. And believe it or not, actions and decisions that you're making, even at the age of 12 or 11, 13, 14, these decisions that you're making, some, some of them really do affect the rest of your life. And you may not think that, but some of them do. And really, before we know it, you're finished with school, and you're thinking about what direction you're going to go in life, and you go that direction, and that's it. Like, your time is out. The sand is up. That's it. Time does not wait for you. It is fleeting, and it is like that mist that appears and disappears. James 4.14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a short time and then vanishes. Life is so short that James compares it to that, to that mist. I think of the steam that comes from the cup of my coffee in the morning. You see it for a moment, and then it's gone. That's it. If our lives are a tiny vial of sand like that, then eternity is to be compared to all the sand and the seashores and the deserts. So we must understand that there is an urgency of time. There is an urgency that is involved in this matter. So we must make every second count because our lives are temporary. And point number three is the stewardship of our time. Stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. You have been entrusted with the time that's been given to you by God to handle it carefully and responsibly. Does that describe how you spend your time? Carefully and responsibly. Verse 17 says, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We are accountable to God for our time. And we must consider how much of it we've already wasted. And we must consider how to best use it now. One pastor wrote, consider how much time you have lost already. For you're having lost so much, you have the greater need of diligently improving what yet remains. You ought to mourn and lament over your lost time. But that is not all. You must aptly apply yourselves the more diligently to improve the remaining part that you may redeem lost time. If you've wasted and spent time in idleness and sin and chasing after worldly pursuits, this pastor is saying, you must work all the more diligently to make up for that lost time. Another pastor said, good time management doesn't mean you do more, but it means that you do more of what matters most. We are to give our best to everything which God has called us to. 
in all our endeavors, our relationships, our labors, our studies, serving others, the details of our lives, the health of our bodies, recreation, rest, whatever it is, our primary focus is God. He is the one that has entrusted us with the time that we have been given, and he is the one who directs how we spend it. We are not to be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In closing, I have a few applicational points for you. Number one is have fun. You're like, wait, what? I can have fun? Yes, you can have fun. You can live a Christian life and live wisely managing your time and have fun. The Christian life is one of excitement. It's one that is full of adventure. It's one that is worth living and is one that is fun. There's nothing unfun about it. A life spent serving God and serving others can still be fun. And it's important to us to schedule rest. That's biblical. It's biblical to have rest, to have time where you maybe spend playing video games or doing the things that you enjoy and playing sports and doing those things. Listen, those are good things. But those aren't the main things. Have fun, but realize proper priorities when doing those things. Listen, if you're spending five hours a day playing video games, that's probably not the proper priority. Schedule time for those things, but that's probably a little too much time. Let's be honest. Have fun but have proper priorities. Number two, relationships are worth the investment. Relationships are worth the investment. Now, I'm not talking about boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm talking about relationships with your friends, with your family. Money will be spent. The things of this world will fade away. The money that you earn and you save up and you stack, listen, when you die, that's not going with you. That's being left behind to whomever. But relationships change lives. So listen, spend time with your parents. Yeah, spend time with them. They want to spend time with you. They want to hear about your life. Listen, serve your parents. Serve them. Instead of five hours of video games, why don't you help your parents out a little bit, help your grandma out a little bit, help your siblings out a little bit, and serve them. Serve your family. That time spent will not be regretted. Now, five hours of Fortnite might be regretted. Trust me, it doesn't matter how many number one battle royales you get. It's going to be regretted. That could be time wasted. Go out of your way to get the chores and the things done that you know will help other people. Listen, 
It's not going to kill you to do the dishes and spend an hour helping your parents out around the house. That is time well spent. And trust me, I hate doing the dishes just as much as the next guy, okay? (laughs) But I do it because I love my wife. And that's one way to show my wife that I love her is by doing the dishes. So help your parents around the house and show that. Serve people. Disciple someone. Make an effort in each other's lives. Make an effort in your friendships. Go out of your way to serve one another. Listen, that relationship is worth the investment. You could change someone's life by serving them and going out of your way for them. That is time well spent. That is a better investment than any game or social media will ever give you. Serve someone. You will never say you spent too much time helping your parents and your loved ones. And you won't always have your loved ones. I visited a man, I did a home visit with Pastor Casey on Friday. And this man quickly, uh, stage four cancer quickly took over. And he's given a couple days to live. And so they, they called Harvest and asked for a couple pastors to go out. And we went to this, this man's house and he's laying in, in his room on hospice. Um, it, it, looks, it looks like he's, he's almost dead, like you could see it. And his, his sons are there. And it was just, it was surreal to see someone almost at death. I guarantee you that those sons, his two sons that were there, Mike and Mark, they were, they were thinking about the times that they spent with their dad. And I bet that they were thinking that they wish they had spent some more time with their dad. I guarantee you that. Spend time with your loved ones. Interact. Build friendships. Build those relationships with one another. Serve one another. Trust me. That is an investment. That is when you will get a return. That is not time wasted. Enjoy them. You will not always have the opportunity to do so. And there's no redos. Once opportunities are gone, they are gone. That's it. So take advantage of the opportunities that you have before you. And number three, schedule what matters most. Listen, the reality is if you don't schedule something, it's not going to happen. Trust me, as your life gets busier, as you get a heavier workload, as you have other things and priorities and friendships and family and all of these things in your life, if you do not put it on the calendar, it will not happen. If I do not schedule my time with God, it's not going to happen. I literally have to schedule my time with God, and I advise you to do the same. Make that a priority. Schedule what matters most. Our relationship with Christ matters most. 
That is time well invested and time that will never be regretted. Listen, schedule 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes in the morning, reading God's word. Maybe it's just a chapter a day and praying to our heavenly father that he would speak to you. Schedule that time. That's called a devotion. And we all should have one. Devote yourself to the Lord in prayer and reading his word. That is the most valuable time spent. There's a story of Martha and Mary, and, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha is running around the house, and she's preparing the meal and cleaning the house, and, and Martha is just so frustrated, like, Jesus, like, tell my sister to help me. Maybe experience that at home. <laughs> Your sibling's just chilling and you're doing all the work. Mom, tell my sibling, tell my brother and sister to help me. Martha was getting all worked up. And Jesus basically told her, chill. <laughs> chill, Martha. Ma Mary has chosen the better thing. The better thing is to spend time at the feet of Jesus. That is the thing that matters most. That is the thing that whenever I go without reading God's word, I regret because that is time well spent. He gave his time for us. In fact, Jesus gave much more than that, didn't he? He humbled himself. He left heaven and humbled himself to suffer on our behalf. Jesus gave up more than time for us. He gave up his life for us. He suffered on our behalf. He died for us. Don't let that lose weight. Jesus died for you and I, willingly giving his life. And yet we make an excuse as to why we can't give him 30 minutes out of the 1,440 minutes that we're given each day, and we're complaining and making excuses that we can't give him 30 of that. Listen, if you want to redeem your time, the best thing that you can do is to put your faith and your trust in God due to his goodness and power that's rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 